0: Hey everybody, my name is Taranzo Cannon and you're listening to Talkin' Blues.
1: So, we just established that you were on episode 56, which which aired I think sometime in March of 2017. The last time we spoke was actually New Year's Eve 2016 at Buddy Guys. It was Eve, wow. You had played the night before and I'd (laughs) seen you. And then um, the last time I spoke to you, I don't know if you remember this, I was in Chicago three or four years ago. I was just going to Smith & Walensky's for lunch and my phone rang. And it was you and you said, I'm driving down Michigan, I saw you. And I was honking at you. <laughs> oh, wow! You were, so you were driving your bus, you were honking at me, I and tell then, Michigan. Yeah, and then you, somehow, and we know how busy Michigan is. Mm-hmm. You have managed to um, spot you in the crowd. Yeah, which is crazy to me. And not not only that, because we had met once before, which was probably two years prior mm-hmm. that you'd remember. And then you'd have <laughs> you'd have my phone number to call me to tell me this which I thought was amazing. Because
0: I think we were still fresh from the last interview. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah.
1: But it was still, mm-hmm. you know, if I go out to Michigan <laughs> Avenue right now, it's pretty crowded. I wouldn't recognize anybody. You know, I, I, I don't
0: know what it is, but um, I, I, they call it hood eyes, where you have to, your head is always on a swivel, you know, where you're looking at things, you know. and
1: This is because you're a driver? A driver, yeah. Okay.
0: Yeah. Um, you know, of course, you have to watch out for pedestrians and, potholes and whatever might happen with the cars and traffic and all that. And I've always uh I don't know what that is. I mean, maybe it's not a special thing, but I found phones while driving at 30 40 miles an hour, <laughs> you know. It's just like I'm always just aware of stuff, you know. I wish I could put that in lyrics. I mean, I, <laughs> you know, <laughs> I wish there's a way I can put some of that in song that that particular uh, I don't know if it's a skill or not, but that particular sense where I can convey like my message through music. You know what I mean?
1: Yeah. I mean, I mean, obviously it's a gift to have to be able to have that kind of perception and that kind of awareness. Perception. Or maybe I'm you. just
0: nosy. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but I was impressed by that. Um, I did want to ask you, and I, we didn't cover this in the last interview, and if anybody wants to check it out, I think it's episode 56, so you should check it out because we talked about how you got into music and, and the path that you took. Um, but I don't think I asked you about your name, Toronzo. Mm-hmm. So I come from Toronto. Okay. <laughs> I don't know of anybody else who has the name Toronto. Where does that name come from?
0: Um, I, I made a mistake one time and looked on Facebook. I just punched my name in, and there were several Toronzos. And I'm the oldest of all the seven Taranzos. Um, my grandfather named me back in 68. You know, he named, he told my mother his name because he wanted it to sound more Native American. And, um, and that was his deal. He just walked in the room and said, I want his name to be Taranzo. <laughs> Does it so, mean anything? No, he just wanted it to sound more Native American because there's Native American blood in the family.
1: How much does that Native American blood um, inspire you, inform you? Um, you know, it's a pride thing. Um,
0: it's a pride thing. You know, I just did a, <clears throat> a 23andMe thing, and it wasn't, it was some Native American blood, but it wasn't as much as I thought it would be, you know. But, um, you know, it's a source of pride, you know, because of the history of Native American people and, and um, you know, it's, it's you know, it's a cultural thing. You know, where it's just like I'm proud to have that blood running through my veins. You know, because of my grandfather, his mother was uh, was um, Cherokee and Choctaw. You know, and also of course Black. You know.
1: And how aware are you of their culture, where you come from?
0: And well, it wasn't it wasn't celebrated. And I mean, it was recognized, but it wasn't celebrated. And and like we would go to powwows, nothing like that. It was nothing like that. But, um, you know, and I think that, I think the average black person in America has Native American blood, you know, in them, but it's not as celebrated as the African blood, you know, that runs through, uh, through our veins. Um, so you know, we just kind of grew up knowing that there was uh, a lineage of that, you know.
1: And that's where the name comes from.
0: Yeah, he, he wanted to sound more Native American. That was his thing. That's what my mom said, you know. Do you have siblings? I have a, yes, a little sister.
1: Does she have a Native American sounding
0: name? No, no, no. <laughs> Her name was, uh, actually, she was named after my grandmother, Eartha. My gran- my grandmother's name was Earthy. Really? Earthy, like Earth with a Y.
1: Yeah.
0: Down south, she was Eartha Lee, you know, because they got three names down <laughs> south, you know. But when she came up north, it's just like Eartha. But um, my Earthy, and my my sister's name is Eartha and her middle name is Monique, but we just call her Monique, you know.
1: <laughs> okay, so when we last spoke, 2017, 2016, um, since then you released a new album, which was in, released in 2019, mm-hmm. right before the pandemic. How did that affect you? Like, I, I know it affected everybody. How did mm-hmm. that affect you personally?
0: Well, being on a bus at the time and still You know, I didn't I didn't like the fact that they were calling us essential workers and giving us all of these kudos as being a blue collar worker, as being a person that have that that I have to be in the public because we're a public transit system. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, I, I really saw the inequities of and the lies and the BS, you know, we're we're public workers, but we're not. And this is supposed to be a pandemic and it's supposed to be like a oh, my God moment everybody stay home, except you bus drivers, except you people that work minimum wage jobs, except, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. but there was no, you know, you get the title and the pat on the back of being an essential worker, but you don't get the, maybe the monetary gain or the incentive to feel proud that you're out here still making the city move and still taking people which were the, um, I hate to say lower class, but the, the the people that don't make much money, we're still taking them to work, to go stock shelves, do things, da da da, and we're still, and we're just getting, partial, um, you know, you, you get your little rubber gloves, you get some alcohol wipes or whatever the case is to wipe your butts down, and then that's it, and still be out in the public, you know, they had certain protocols that. Um, you know, that people were bored on the back of the bus. The bus was, was free for a, a lot of months. Where they just had people just get on. Right. And, of course, you know, the the, um, uh, the state was given, you know, probably the transit system money to make up for the loss and all that stuff, the PPP or whatever they call it. But it never trickled down to the, to the operators, to the bus drivers or the mechanics or anybody else. So, um, you know, I didn't like that part of it. You know, and 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 I think that's what kind of soured me after working all these years with CTA. You know, you know, they pat you on the back and give you a title, but they don't want to pay you or give you any extra incentive to be, you know, to 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 want to come to work. You know, and at that time I had 27 years, and I was, um, you know, I was like, you know, I, I you know, because you're supposed to give 26 in a day, so I'm like, you know
1: what? time for me to go, you know. Um, how how difficult was that decision? Because when, when we spoke, you had two years left mm-hmm. when we last spoke, and you said, you, you have two years to do, and, and we're committed to doing this. Mm-hmm. But how difficult was it for you to say, yeah, I think I'm going to give this up?
0: No, I was just, I was pretty much, you know, it it feels good at the time to, um, where I, I, I hold the keys to decide my life now that doesn't mean that I'm not ever going to work anymore mm-hmm. I just don't want to work on that you know I'm going to get a pension whatever the case is um you know i keep my CDL and I'll go work somewhere else if I had to because it's still a pandemic nobody's working or whatever but it was you know I would say I wouldn't say for once in my life but one of the times I can remember where I I'm controlling my own destiny you know what I mean course we got to work we got to do things I, I, I um, you know I, I was lucky to have a job that was paying that much and doing things and had benefits and health care and all that but after a while I was like you know what I'm just going to um, control my own destiny <laughs> you know um, my my marriage was not very great <laughs> you know things was happening there and it's just kind of like you know what it's time for me just to, uh, you know, not throw caution in the wind. Be calculating, but, you know, I'm not gonna die on this bus. I'm not gonna die spiritually on this bus, right? Because of stuff going on in my life, um, I'm not gonna uh, die physically <laughs> on the bus, you know, from working bad neighborhoods. Because I was stuck on one street for six months, and it was the worst. One of the worst. It's one of the worst streets in Chicago laramie laramie street and it was looting and burning and like i you know that day after like you know when they were, they had riots and all that stuff i think it was around the george floyd time too Man. and uh and i'm coming to work at five thirty in the morning looking at smoldering stores on both sides of me people still out running out of the stores and doing things and it's just like you know what you know there was a time where um because where where my garage is centered it's all economically deprived neighborhoods and no matter where you go if you go north south east it, it was hard to get out of and there was roadblocks and the whole thing you see helicopters and it's just like you know <laughs> this is not, this is this, this, this is not cool um not that i ever you know, enjoyed waking up. You know, at 4:30 in the morning to get to work at five, but it's something I had to do. Right. You do what you got to do to do what you want to do. You know, um, and I was just, I just figured, you know, it's my time, and I'll take whatever bag they give me, and I'll find my own insurance because they wanted me to stay three more years, and I was like, I don't okay. have three more years. You know, I, I reflected back to a uh, Blue Angels. The Blue Angels um, flight team, uh, flight yeah. team, yeah. and there was this uh, older black guy, and he retired abruptly, and people were wondering, like, like why would he, why would he do that, you know? And he felt, and he he said, "I'm losing my edge, and the fact that you are flying a million dollar plane, million plus dollar plane, and you know, in your spirit as a man, I don't got it anymore. I don't have any more to offer." Because if 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 he crashes, he's gonna take other people's lives and things like that, and that that always stuck with me when I read read that story maybe ten years ago, twelve years ago, and um, and that's just that's just the way I felt. I don't have any more in me when it comes to that bus, because it's you know people uh, from downtown to the neighborhoods, and this ignorance is just not a race thing. It's just a it's a people thing. Right. And it, it, ignorance doesn't have a, a tax bracket, <laughs> you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. You know, I would get ignorance when I would work downtown, like on Michigan Avenue, I would get ignorance in, in the economically deprived neighborhoods, you know? And it was just, and then you get ignorance from the management, you know, of, of the, the, the garage. Not all of them, some of them. Um, because there was some that really was in my corner because I was a musician and, you know, and they were, like, proud of me to do things. I was on the radar of CTA, of being, you know, I was, I was like a feel-good story for CTA, mm-hmm. you know, because oh, but I never wanted them to know that I played blues or was out, right. you know, um, uh, getting not much sleep, <laughs> you know. <laughs> because that's the first thing that they'll say, probably, and they'll run their little spies or whatever the case is. Um, you know, they'll say things like... Um, you know, or they would, I, would, I always thought they would say, well, he's out carousing, he's out drinking, he's out, you know, doing whatever, and then he's coming to drive this, you know, expensive bus with people's lives in his hands. And I never wanted them to know that until the Channel 9 story, a WGN story went on me. Went on me. But as far as, you know, the ignorance and just me at my, my tipping point where I'm like, i find my own insurance, I don't have three more years to give you guys. I don't want to be part of the union because the union was never no good to me. You know, that was another thing where it was just like, you know, I, and I felt that I had, I can control my own destiny. Where it's like, I'm going to do this and let the chips fall where they may. You know, what kind of, what kind of man do I profess to be? You know, where it's like, again, I'm not going to stop working, but I don't want to do this anymore because of all of the extenuating, uh, you know, circumstances or
1: whatever, if that's the right word. When did you retire?
0: October 1st of 2020.
1: Okay, so you stuck it out for a bit after yeah. the pandemic. Yeah. yeah. Um, musically, what was happening? I, I'm sure everything was shut down for a while, but mm-hmm. by 2020, was anything happening musically? we was doing, um,
0: doing um, uh, live streams and things like that. You know, um, you know there were you know, the live stream thing was okay. But at some point, you know, I I didn't realize until I did my first live stream where I need audience interaction.
1: Yeah. Uh, well, I, I, it must be weird. Yeah,
0: yeah, I, I, I crave it because it's like when you do your song, and I'm very, again, like seeing you on a crowd of Michigan Avenue, <laughs> I'm very, it's word intuitive or whatever. You know, when I see something in the audience, I'll right. play on it. You know, I might see a lady with a red dress on. I might say something or a dude over there, you know, looking like he didn't want to be there. You know, I'm I'm, I'm aware of what's going on around me. And you don't have that when you do a live stream. You just see a person doing this with a camera, you know, (laughs) and it's like, okay, so maybe I should just, you know, mess with the guys in the band. You know what I mean? To have some kind of feeling where I can get some emotion, you know talk crazy to the guys in the band and, and play the music, you know, so.
1: When you decided to retire, did you decide, I'm going to focus more on music or did you have other things in mind? But, well, of course, more music because that would
0: be, after that would be part of my plan to to make money along with, you know, um, retirement money and all that stuff. And, um, and um, so, yeah, but... I told myself, and I didn't. I didn't. I didn't heed my own advice, because I. I was thinking, and I was telling other musicians, "Hey, man, we got to come out with something after. Like, you can't come with the same stuff after this pandemic, you know."
1: Ex- explain why. Like, what was the thinking behind
0: that? Um, you know, everybody got sat down for a year and a half, mm. basically. Go somewhere. Go in the corner. Sit. <laughs> think about yourself. Think about what's around you, da-da-da. I was thinking, in my mind, you know, as, as a musician, you gotta come out fresh with different stuff for the audience to say, okay, Taranzo's back, or whoever's back with new stuff, and oh my God, that kind of thing. And I should've been right, but I was going through, again, um, personal problems, you know. Um, uh, and I was, you know, I, it was kind of stifling to me a little bit where I was not happy where I was living and the whole thing. And uh, I just, uh, I couldn't, I, I didn't heed my own advice. You know what I mean? I, I I wasn't motivated to write. You know, most of my songs wasn't fun-loving and, and witty, like, <laughs> that I would try to write on a, a different perspective. They were um, not angry, but they were, it was a different deal, you know. It was a different, um, a different feeling to write under.
1: What, could you even write? Like, were you still
0: motivated to write? Well,
1: creative?
0: I, was, I was motivated to write, but it seemed like topics that were just kind of like the same <laughs> thing of, you know. Not, not woe is me type right. thing, but I wasn't as witty or funny. Like, you know, I took a witty take on insurance, you know, where it's a, it's a serious subject but it was funny in a way about you know the colonoscopy and all that stuff you know <laughs> you yeah. know but um it you know some things just didn't come out like that and um and you could feel it you knew I, after i realized it i was sitting back saying oh wow i'm in a funk you know what i mean like even now sometimes i i i, I say i did my best riding on the bus and I miss, because people say, do you miss the bus? And I say, well, I miss the discipline of it because I had some place to be. I knew I was going to be on that bus for 10 hours a day. I knew I had to squeeze in writing. I could th- think I didn't, I, you, know, I, you know, I could split my mind and still, of course, focus on my, you know, driving uh, duties, but still have my, pe- my pencil and paper in my pocket to to um, write. You know, mm. something came to me. If I look and see something, oh, whoop. Okay. You know, man walking with a limp or something like that, you know? Um, But now, when I wake up, it's like I'm retired. It's like I look around and, okay, you know what I mean? What does the day have to offer? You know, I take it on a hobby of with the one wheel kind of thing, you know, first. And then now the unicycle. And then I, I, I tried to use that as a muse just to go out and clear my head and do things like that. Um, Is same. it offering
1: the same kind of inspiration motivation
0: mm, no not not like not like being on the bus, not like being on the bus um it's freeing mm-hmm. but it's freeing to the point where it's almost time waster it's too freeing if that makes sense
1: yeah but i I also wonder and i i you know I often think um how much I've been affected by the pandemic, or how much everybody has been affected by the pandemic, so you're going mm-hmm. through things with your family, you're going through work, you're going through the pandemic, mm-hmm. like there's a lot going on, and who knows if it's one thing or multiple things yeah. that just that and then the other thing is I think we're close in age mm-hmm. there's that age thing too, where yeah. you just don't things yeah. aren't as motivating as they used to be
0: um yeah, and i and i you know I'm not the one to. Because I know the sensibilities now of people is everything is like <clears throat> people are more in touch with their feelings and you know you talk that people talk about depression and there's different syndromes of mm-hmm. you know uh, different levels of anxiety and blah 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 and me being old school you know I come from an era where there was no seat belts in the car <laughs> you know what I mean yeah you know uh, everybody there was three in the front seat and there was four in the back you know. Um, you know, I, I, I'm not quick to to say, oh, my God, I might be depressed. You know what I mean? Because <clears> I don't, I, I'm not cut like that, I don't think. But then I think, I sit back and think, like, am I going through something? You know? But, but I'm not quick to put lay my hat on it and say that's what it is. Because I don't want to, I don't want to crutch. I don't want to feel like I'm giving myself a crutch. I want to figure out how to get out of it. You know what I mean? And... um And 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 be again a not a product. I've always been a productive member of society, but a productive member of myself, (laughs) if that makes any sense.
1: Oh yeah, for sure. But I also wonder, when you decided you would retire, did you have in mind what that really meant? Because I I long for the day that I retire, but Mm. the day that I retire and I if I don't do anything, I don't know what that would be like for me. I know you have music and mm-hmm. you have your family and whatever, but mm-hmm. but I, I don't know, once you made that decision, you thought, okay, when I retire, this is what I'm going to do. These yeah. are the things I will do to make my days
0: productive. Yeah, but at that time, when I retired, again, I wasn't happy where I was at then right. because I had moved out of my home and things like that. And uh, this wasn't, it wasn't happy. Mm-hmm. You know, I thought it was going to be something cool, but it turned out it wasn't. And, uh, um, yeah, I just, you know, again, I'm filling my days up with, you know, getting odd gigs, you know, again, you know, uh, living off of whatever retirement it is and stuff like that, and, uh, uh, you know, going through the process of separation and all that stuff, and finding my own way and rebuilding, you know, my life again as a single guy, you know. I, again, I never thought that it would be like it is, you know. You, mm-hmm. you, you never, like you can plan, you know, I think, I don't know what the saying is, you can plan, but life got a different plan for you. You yeah, know, you make plans and <laughs> life gets in the way. Exactly. Yeah. And And, um, you know, I just, I, I really never thought about it. I just figured, okay, I don't have to wake up at five o'clock in the morning anymore. Right. You know, but then now I'm still kind of in the pandemic era, you know. And it was like, okay, I'ma breathe for six months and just be cool and see how it feels to be just a cat that don't have an obligation to have to go punch in. And then that turned into a year, and then I turned into like a year and a half, and it was like, whoa, you know. And then, of course, other, you know, life changes and stuff like that, moving a couple of times. It's just, you know. But
1: um, I'm back on the ball now, you know. Um, But you also had the advantage And it's funny, because last time we spoke about being a part-time musician versus a full-time musician <laughs> yeah um but you had the advantage of i presume not having to worry about income mm-hmm. while you're working at the cta mm-hmm. during the pandemic and also when you retired mm-hmm. there was income so it wasn't like what am, where am i how am i going to get my next meal mm-hmm. plus you had the additional source of income with your music mm-hmm. i wonder at what point did you feel like you've turned things around like where are you at right now when you said competing better about things?
0: Well, as far as like, you know, writing and, and, and my own space, my own thoughts and things like that. And it could be, um, again, when you get little, you know, um, uh, um, side ventures, like, again, like the little unicycle thing, you know, um, a hobby, hobby. Right. Um, it can be expensive because you got to buy stuff and do all, you know what I mean?
1: Helmets and stuff.
0: <laughs> yeah. But as far as me, um, like worrying about, Eating and all that stuff, you know. I, again, I have a pension. I have things. I'm not worried about it. And again, if things get hard, then um, I get a job. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. I mean, I kept my CDL. I'll find something to do. Um, I, I, I'm, I'm not worried about that part of it, as far as paying my bills and stuff like that. You know.
1: But musically, so when when did you, when you decided? well, the stuff I'm writing just doesn't seem to be really me, or they seem somewhat. Depressing or whatever. When did you come out of that? How did you come out of that?
0: Um, I think I'm s- just still coming out of it. You know what I mean? There's days where it's just like I'll let the sun set and And sometimes don't even touch the paper, you know Because I'm sitting there looking at TV or I'm out on that thing or I'm smiling in somebody's face if you know what I mean, you know <laughs> and um, you know um, And next thing you know, it's like the sun set. And I'm like, wow, I haven't done anything. And it makes it, it it weighs on you. It it, it weighs on me. You know, it makes me feel bad when it's like I wasted a day, you know. But then people that I talk to that's close to me say, well, you know, you deserve that because you worked on the bus for 20, but to me, that's no excuse. It's like, okay, I could have got a hot six months of, let's see how it feels just to be whatever. But again, I was mixed up in a situation where I wasn't happy, where I was living and the whole thing. So I really didn't feel that, you know, I didn't feel the relaxation because that particular relationship was tense. And uh, uh, so uh, I'm still I think I'm still coming out of it. I'm writing my songs. You know, me and Bruce are talking, Um, you know, we talk about the songs and things like that. So um, we just have to fine tune everything,
1: you know. And so now when you go on stage, I think you're playing buddy guys in a week or two. Yeah. Um, What's it like? What's it feel like? Does it feel like it used to? Does it feel different? Well,
0: um, well, no, I I feel like I'm, I would say more in command of the
1: stage. I feel, you know. um, Oh, maybe I should ask, what did it feel like not playing for, I don't know how long it was, a year or whatever?
0: um, My mind was, um, again, I was getting gigs and I was missing the stage. But again my mind was wrapped up on stuff that was going on in my life right. that didn't that i wasn't pining about the stage as much because i was trying to deal with life stuff you know so you know it was uh, an exchange <laughs> of like okay i know i'm not playing but i got to deal with this that kind of stuff you know so i really didn't think about it i wasn't
1: pining over the stage okay so now you're going you're starting to gig a lot more your schedule looks much fuller this mm-hmm. over the next few months mm-hmm. um that that person who said when we come out of this we got to be different and do something different yeah. mm-hmm. are you that person or i'm I'm beginning
0: to be that person because I thought it would be right on because I did't you know you really didn't know when the pandemic was over because it was okay you can walk outside with the mask on or, okay and they were in Chicago they was yeah, they was yeah. pushing and pulling you I think you it's know. everywhere yeah you didn't know what was happening so it was like You know, and I had friends come out with CDs and albums during the pandemic. And my thought was like, where are we going to play them to? Like,
1: Mm -hmm.
0: you understand you have you have a need to get them out, get out the, um, you know, get your music out. But, you know, festivals is festivals and gigs is how we shop our CDs, you know. And my thing was, okay, if I can get right, and I, I was that was the plan, if I can get right at the lip of, you know, of um, the pandemic where it's like, okay, I'm coming out with a CD, and then the pandemic is slowly dissipating or whatever, then I'll be cool. Um, again, there's still variants and all that stuff, which mm-hmm. I didn't even factor that in, but it's not enough to keep people at home, you know. So I I, I feel that I... I feel that I'm still on schedule. It's just you know, just have to get you know, of course, Alligator Records and their timeline and all that stuff together. But I feel that I'm still on schedule to make a CD that can come out in the fall and still be you know, because I'm working good. I'm doing Europe and Midwest stuff, and then the East Coast. We're doing a little East Coast tour, so I still think I'm in that gray area where I, I, it's not at the beginning of, of, it's not at the beginning of the end of the pandemic. It's still Part of what people are, are are just you know coming out more, or I mean, well, well, some of these clubs, man, they are <laughs> they are on top of each other like mm-hmm. like bees, man. You know, you ever seen a beehive where the bees be on? It's like, oh my god. How does it make you feel as a performer? Well, it feels good that people are still are coming out and and still digging the music, you know. And uh, we did Germany last August which was closer to the end of the pandemic, but they hadn't seen live music in 18 months. And you could have did anything. And they would have said, oh my God, <laughs> like, thank you. And there's that aspect of the music too, where it's like, you know, um, I, I want to be to do something, I have something fresh for the, for the, you know, for the people. Well, again, like I, my thought when I was telling cats, you know, my advice we got to come out with something new and hard hitting or just different from what you did pre-pandemic.
1: But do you mean just basically new material or do you mean more than that? Is it a new attitude? Is it a new presentation? New,
0: n- new material, maybe a, a different style of dress, maybe um, a better style of dress. You know, maybe, you know, you don't have to go Lady Gaga to blues and <laughs> like wear meat suits or but whatever. why not? Yeah. I mean, if you can afford that budget, you know what I mean, as a blues guy.
1: Okay, let, let me ask you about that. Because we talked about this a little bit last time about, um, for you, the importance of presenting yourself mm-hmm. um, as an entertainer so that you don't wear a T-shirt and jeans. Mm-hmm. So when you decide, okay, we're going to do another show. We're, our presentation is going to be a little different. We're going to dress a little different. What happens? How does that happen? And, and how do you decide what that different dress Dressing up will be, or how you will look.
0: Well, I mean, like if you know, you could tell a band to wear all black or something, and a red scarf. You know, just tip dollars. Just it doesn't have to be like the Temptations. No, you know, everybody's got the same bell bottoms on and fuchsia pink with glitter. <laughs> But why not? Yeah, well I mean, if again if the budget <laughs> if there's a seamstress out there that wants to donate their time <laughs> to 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 have us look like the stylistics or whatever, you know. <laughs> you know? <laughs> then okay, we'll we'll entertain that. But know, but, but is it something
1: shows. that you say, I'm the band leader, this is what we're gonna wear, or is it you sit down no. with a group and say, What do you guys wanna? Wear.
0: Well, no, no. I just like I just tell them to wear a shirt with collars. Look like you, you know. Don't come with t-shirts and raggedy jeans on. there's been situations where, um, like, we played a, a festival in New New Hampshire, I think, or somewhere, and the car broke down. We couldn't get to the hotel. Right. So what we had to do was we all got t-shirts of the festival, just to match. <laughs> you know what I mean? You know, it's like okay, we need four t-shirts. You know. And, you know, and that was, that was that. And there's times where you play on the boat, you play these cruises and things like that. And it's like, you know, I'm not going to come out with a three-piece suit on or a big wool hat, a fedora. You know, I'm going to try to dress the weather, you know, according to the weather. So there's times where I dress down, but, but now I'm I'm doing, you know, blue jeans matching, you know, blue jeans, gray, black, something like that with, you know, with the hats with nice hats and college shirts. You know, I'm not doing the suit thing anymore, you know. So you get nice boots or whatever, you know, that kind of thing.
1: How different are things that, do you approach music any differently because you're not working? This retirement, has that changed you as the performer in any way?
0: No, because I've always showed out, had fun on stage, uh, talk my, they say ish nowadays, you know, instead of the other word. You know, I talk my ish, and uh, that's what they say. Ish instead of saying the actual word. Yeah, if it might be FCC thing. I don't know. You know? <laughs> it's fine. Yeah, no, but I, you know, I, I talk, I talk my 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 stuff and have fun, and and I've had people say that know me, that started to know me. They say you the same off the stage, you know, on the stage as off the stage. You know, I'm I can be moody on stage sometimes, but not where it's, you know, I'm attacking the audience and nothing like that. I'll just get into myself if there's something going on. But sometimes if something going through my mind, that makes me freak out a little bit more musically, you know what I mean? And the band, um, all of my bands, whoever I hired, they always knew, oh, okay, time to lock in, you know. I've, since retirement, I've dabbled in edibles, <laughs> you know? <laughs> you know, just to see what was going on, like what was I missing for 27 years, <laughs> cuz I I've never drank, I've never smoked pot, I never I don't know how to smoke.
1: Can I ask why? Just No, so like why did you never do that? Just never had a desire. Not at all. Um I, I
0: tried my first drink at my 40th birthday and I called my grandmother. I said cuz it was a thing with me and her. I was I always tell her on my birthday. I didn't drink. I didn't do anything drinking. And a lot of people think when when I used to tell them like when the 30s, 20s, 30s you know, they would they would think that I had a problem, mm-hmm. and then say, oh, I didn't know, did you? I said, no, I just never drank. Like, I just not a thing. I, I think my older, well, I call them my brother and sister. They were my aunt and uncle, but they were, my grandparents raised me. So they were the younger of the six. So I call them brother and sister. I saw them one time, they, when I was a kid, they had a little bit too much to drink in their young age. And they were just throwing up all over the place. And I think that's what kind of stuck in my head, like, is that drinking? So that stopped me from, like, not even wanting to,
1: you know. But isn't it weird, because I don't really drink. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I can, I might have a drink once in a while, but I don't drink. Mm-hmm. So there are certain people who find that so strange. Like, why don't yeah. you drink? Why You've never drank? Well, why is that? And, and I,
0: I think I... Out of a bottle cap or something, had some beer and it was like sour. And I'm like, oh no, like what is? Mm-mm. And then I had a friend one time, and he was very like, oh my god, I'm sorry, because he was joking, and he was we was at a party, some Irish party or something, and he brought me. I said, give me a Pepsi or whatever. He went on and he came by and I smelled it. I said, dude, did you put something in this drink, man? No, I didn't know. And then I looked at him, I said, dude, don't, you know, and I said a couple of words. And he's like, yeah, I did. I'm like, dude, you know, like, dude, what are you doing? You know, and he's like, and he was very apologetic. I'm sorry, man, I didn't know. And I'm like, dude, why would you do something like that, man? I don't drink, you know. But, like, I, I tried, when I was, went over to Europe for the first times, I would uh, try something like the little bend of your finger or whatever, because they said it was a $300 bottle or something, and it was the last day of the tour. Right. And I'll sip it just to see what's happening, you know. But I, drinking wasn't, and that was after 40. And that was, you know. But I, 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 when I told my grandmother that, when I asked my grandmother, can I drink, she said, "She said, go ahead, so you can see you don't like it. <laughs> like that. And uh, it was at Blues on and I told Jennifer, the manager, bartender at the time, I said, um... Uh, I said, I'm going to a drink tonight, because everybody know on the scene that I don't drink, And she looked at me and she said, "Yeah, right." like that." I said, "So what's a good introductory drink?" <laughs> and she made something that's now I, she said it was snops and some kind of um, raspberry something, you know, and I, I remember drinking it, and I could feel my eyeballs. <laughs> and I was like, you know, and it's just and I put it on the amp for the rest of the night, you know, because it was like. No, that ain't my thing. But fast forward 10 years later, whatever the case is, you know, after retirement, um, these edibles and stuff come out where people say, oh, you know, as you get high, and I was like, so I'm like, let me just see. I mean, I, mean, I'm, I got gray hair. I got gray chest hair. I'm not a kid anymore, you know what I mean?
1: <laughs> what did you hope that that would, what did you hope from that experience? Well, it wasn't a hope.
0: It was just to see what was happening, like, you know, because um, I, I like colors. I like kaleidoscope type stuff. I like, you know, I, but my I had a drummer that used to do Mushrooms, and he was saying all this type stuff, and I'm like, no, I don't know if I want to get down like that, you know. <laughs> but this is while I was working with CTA, though. And
1: so did you have rules with your band?
0: Like, if you don't do
1: it, are you more strict with the no. band members and what they
0: can and cannot do? No, my thing is, if you honor, just respect the stage, respect my gig. You can drink if you can drink and maintain whatever, and smoke or do whatever, and still do the gig, do your thing. But don't mess my gig up. Don't be somewhere and I'm trying to call off a queue, and you somewhere looking at stars and you know blue moons, star lucky charms or whatever. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like don't do that, you know. But uh, yeah, I don't, I don't, I'm not demanding on the band, you know. But uh, yeah, I've, you know, like I said, I've tried. And they are kind of like, you know, I, I, I don't do a whole dose. I do like a low dosage or whatever, like a half a gummy. And I have tried on occasion when I'm in the house in a controlled area. A um, oh no, I take that back. I've tried it doing that one time, but half though, half like five percent or whatever they call it, five milligrams.
1: So something. how was it? Like I because it would be a very foreign feeling to you. Like it's a foreign yeah. experience. Was it, it enjoyable? Was it?
0: Well, it was enjoyable. It it seems. It seems like my words like it, like like if I was to debate with somebody it feels like I my debate skills were more fine-tuned and I'm like wow if I can transfer that on paper because there's some times where I would take half of a gummy or whatever five milligrams what they call it and then I when it kicks in I, after an hour or whatever I'll start playing. And I'm like, wow, that feels that feels different. And I would re- I would record myself just to see if I'm doing anything different, you know. So to me it was always it's like a learning thing where I would write words down and like little quips or whatever I would say that sound very witty and funny. I would write them down. And um uh, sometimes it'd be like, I oh, don't know, I I say that anyway, <laughs> you know. Like that's something that sounds like something I would say. So I was really just kind of testing myself and, and what and just, you know, I wasn't just going in to escape or get away from anything. I just wanted to see how it felt, you know, where, and it's, it's a freaky feeling where it's like, there's a time kind of delay. Like if I'm, if you're leaning back looking at TV and then it kicks in and then you sit up, it still feels like you, it still feels like you're laying back. Right, right. And, um, but there's been some <laughs> there's been some funny times too. As far as laughing, that, mm-hmm. that's part of it. Eating is part of it, like the little <laughs> munchy stuff. And I was like, that's real stuff, you know. Because again, I'm I, even though I feel young, I'm 54. I'm at that time 52 or whatever, you know. It's like, you know, why not try? It? You know, I'm not selling it. You know, I'm not. It's legal now. You know, I'm not somewhere in an alley. <laughs> buying stuff, looking around, my show, you know, I never put myself in danger, or anything with it, you know, right. but, but again, just to try to, again, on the writing purposes and under, um, you know, playing, you know, guitar and stuff like that, but,
1: yeah. I, I mean, I I know from past experiences where certain things sounded much better, you know, I re- I remember listening to a Dire Straits album mm-hmm. and thinking. Telegraph Road was like the most amazing thing because <laughs> when I listened to it. Mm-hmm. But um, there's that danger of thinking, wow, this sounds great, and the next day you look at it and it doesn't sound that great.
0: Yeah, I, I don't know what that sense is. And um, I don't know what that is, but it, like I say, it for that moment, for that hour or whatever it is, it, it's it's kind of cool. But mm-hmm. it's something that I don't want to do every day where it's like, oh my God, I can't wait to eat an edible. yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, I got some just laying up there, they're there, you know. And there's been times where, again, when I was going through my little, what you call where I'm in the house, and it's just like, or the apartment, and I'm just sitting there kind of like looking at TV or looking at something. And things seem clearer, too, like like almost like a 3D thing, which I, I like that, again, clarity, kaleidoscope kind. I like colors kind of stuff, you know. But, um, yeah, I mean, you know, because... People like people that had substance problems, and I would talk to them. They'd be like, "Man, you be careful, man." Mm-hmm. And I'm like, "If I wasn't, I don't see me getting a problem at 50 years old, 54 years old. You know, I think I got enough, you know, sense to not want to do anything for 52 years or 40 years. Because again, the drinking, you know what I mean? I'm, I'm um, <clears throat> not a matter of fact type of dude, but I'm, I'm very aware of what's happening." Again, I can spot you. If I can spot you on Michigan Avenue.
1: Exactly. <laughs> I
0: mean, you know, it's it's just like, you know, I'm very aware of what's going on around me and what's happening. And I don't ever want to dull my senses or try to escape something that's going to be there the next day.
1: Do you feel like it does dull your senses in any ways? I mean, because if you're very aware of everything and you have certain control, and I think control is important to you, mm-hmm. then when you lose that control, that could be a little intimidating. or It,
0: it doesn't feel like I'm losing control, though. Exactly. Okay
1: even though there's been times where
0: it was like, again, you feel that delay reaction kind of thing, right. but it's not in a situation where I'm in some kind of imminent danger or some kind you know what I mean? If, if, if there is a loss of control, I'm sitting there looking at TV, you know, or I'm maybe riding that thing in an area like where there's nobody around or something like that. You know, um, uh, I'm not a, <laughs> it sound funny. I'm not a daytime user. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's it's close to some kind of bedtime or at night where I'm not doing anything,
1: you know. Well, I think yeah. you've always been a responsible person. Responsible, that's the word I yeah. like. Yeah. yeah. So here we are. This is Good Friday. Um, this will probably be posted about a month from now. But as of Good Friday, what's the scene like in Chicago? I mean, has there been a lot of clubs that have disappeared over the last couple mm-hmm. of years? Uh, are you playing a lot? Where do you stand right now? Well,
0: I'm playing, like, I went back to playing Kingston Mines, because um, the road gigs are kind of not as much, you know, in this interim, or whatever. Um, So I I came back to playing the Chicago clubs a little bit more. Kingston Mines is one of them, which is a, you know, um, it's a long night, you know. Mm -hmm. You play three hours, but you're really there six hours.
1: And what do you do the other three hours? This is when the other band is playing yeah
0: you have to sit there and wait for them to
1: finish and i don't i don't
0: too much like that format because it's it's um i guess (laughs) this is i just had i had a premonition of this i i knew one day i was going to talk about this situation in an interview and i guess this is the time (laughs) wow this is you know I, i i have things that happen sometimes i call them insignificant premonitions you know what I mean? Whereas it's like, I'll be thinking of something on TV, or I'll be thinking of something, and all of a sudden, of a TV show, just a little, a little quote of a TV show that I've seen before. And all of a sudden, maybe a week later, a t- the TV show will be on, and that particular quote would pop up. Or it would be an instance of uh, a song or something. A line in a song, or a quote, and or something. Recently, and I'm going to get up. I'm going to get to the 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 premonition. I call them. um, We would talk like me and my friend. We would talk about something. I call it life algorithms now instead of insignificant premonitions, because it's like we'll talk about something, and all of a sudden, it's popping up somewhere. And I'm like, we just talked about that, and that's more times than. More time, it's more times for me to feel that that's happening more than like, you know, where something happened one time, you forget about it. It's happened often where it's like, wow, like, that's a life algorithm. You know what I mean? if, 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 it, That's the way I put it. But I knew I was going to talk about what I'm about to say now in an interview, but this was years, this was years in the making. And now I guess I'm going to talk about my problem with playing... Even though I'm happy to play the club, Kingston Mines.
1: It's an institution.
0: Yeah, yeah. But that particular setup for me now, and I'm not, you know, again, anytime I can play my music in front of people is great. Mm -hmm. But me, I I, I don't like being background music. Some places are, you know, I know the kids like to have fun, and there's people actually engaged. There's people, tourists coming in looking, and it's cool. You know, that's That's my crowd, you know. I feel a duty as a Chicago blues man to give tourists and people that love Chicago blues, you know, yesterday's Chicago blues and today's Chicago blues. And sometimes the format, see, I I like places like um, supper clubs, Buddy Guys, or places where you're the main attraction all night. To the reason
1: why you, they're there.
0: Yeah, yeah, you're not sharing. You know, because the next band is putting their spirit on people, and then me as a musician, an entertainer, and a person that write my own songs, I feel almost not cheated, but I feel I feel bad because I can't control my audience. I take I like to take my audience on up and down tour. You know, sometimes it might evolve, (laughs) and I say devolve into, like, a pseudo-comedy show, kind of, where, you know, where I'm talking my ish. We're having fun, then I'll get serious. Then I'll, you know, so it's an up and down thing. I like to take my audience on a ride for that night, not share it with another band that's over there kicking ass and doing their thing. And then now they're coming back to me, and then now i got to bring them back into my feeling of blues.
1: Um, How does it work in terms of, because it's a long night. Do you find that if you do one set, when you do your second set, which is really the third set, with a band in between, mm-hmm. is the crowd the same crowd? Are they? Sometimes
0: they... it is. Sometimes some. Sometimes I mean I don't know. But I'm afraid. I mean I don't. I would never do a song over. Right. You know because they didn't clear out the room. But but again, and I'm not trying to be some kind of oh I'm an artist and I, but. I'm a guy that really, that really care about my songwriting, and when and how I deliver my songs to the people. Um, you know, and when you have to fill up three hours sometimes, then now you got to play covers. Mm-hmm. Now you got to play, and there's no disrespect to other bands and all that stuff. Now, now you have to play dancing music so they can dance. And it's like, I do danceable stuff in my show, but then I got three hours to fill. And I have five CDs. I can easily do it. I just don't know all of my stuff. You know what I mean? I mean, I can I could fill up that time and not play a cover and all that. But it to me it's it's draining. I mean, again, I'm happy to have the gig. I'm happy to be out and doing my thing and and showing the Tourists and people that come to Chicago to see Chicago blues that this is what Chicago's doing now But I don't like the fact that sometimes musicians have to play danceable music To get the crowd going so they can be attentive and look at you because if you're playing stuff like Bruno Mars and and a a lot of you know R&B stuff And that's not your show the tour is sitting there looking like, is this Chicago blues now? Now he's gonna go back and talk ish to people, because <laughs> I feel a a a, a, dead, a a a um I'm towards the end of the night I'll do some covers, <laughs> Parliament funkadelic or whatever. But that's like the end of the night. It's three thirty in the morning, and it's like, you know, and you spent and you and you just you know, you're doing your thing. You're still entertaining, but it's draining for a musician like me because I want to put out my Music to the people, I want them to hear my story and not Bruno Mars' story or whatever popular you know beyonce or or whoever you know story or wh- whatever people are playing now but it 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 branches off you know it, it, for me as, as a musician it's, it's frustrating because um I can't control my audience. You know, I can't. They, I want them to, and I, selfishly, I want them to feel me for that whole night, and not be bounced back and forth.
1: So I I would presume other people must feel this way, no? This is they don't talk year. about it because <laughs> <laughs> it's a gig. It's a gig. It's a gig. Um, is it is there any danger of you talking
0: about it? I don't think it's a danger. I mean, if this is my thing, if they want a real, I, I, this is not pop. Blues for me is not like a pop thing where I have to put on a great face and do this and all that. It's the truth. Blues is the truth. And as a musician, if I feel that, and again, that's their format. It works for years. It's a money-making thing. You know, it's almost like I don't know if you saw the episode of Lucy with the chocolates on the conveyor belt.
1: <laughs> where, <laughs> how does that come into this conversation? Because
0: that's what that's how I think, though. But you know how's the conveyor belt? Yeah, yeah. And she was trying to put the, the the chocolates in the in the what you call? And all of a sudden they fall on the floor. So now she's just trying to eat them so they won't fall on the floor. Right. That's how the audience is being bounced around from one you know music to another, where it's just kind of like, you know, are they are, they in the whole experience? But are they feeling me? Mm-hmm. Are they feeling me? And when I played there, I hadn't played there. Uh, I played there last time, uh, maybe about two months ago, a month ago. I hadn't played Kingston Mines in six years. Because of that reason? Well, no, because I was on the road. I oh, was man. doing my thing, and and I was, um, you know, I was doing my thing as a, a national act, and I didn't have to play the Chicago clubs as much anymore. I could be more fine-tuned as far as you know. But in this interim, you know, there's things where it's like, you know, and in the line, there was a lot of people that came to see me, you know. Um, like when I played Roses, you know, there was a lot of people came out to see me, which was great because it's like, you know, I don't want to, one, at one time I was that musician that would play all the Chicago clubs. So you're not as special anymore. You're not, mm-hmm. you're not. Um, uh,
1: but this is how you made the name for yourself. This is how you became who you are, mm-hmm. right? Doing yeah. those club games. Yeah, you're doing a club giving.
0: But after a while, you know, people can say, oh, I'll, I'll see Toronto but he's going to play there, blah, blah, blah. But then if you're missing for a year or so, or you're right. just playing one club or say every six months or whatever, now people, now you find out what kind of musician you are to the fans and to the people. Because now they say, oh, wow, I haven't played, I haven't seen him, he's playing the da- they putting their clothes on and now they coming to see you other than just in some places where you just kind of background music. Like, oh yeah, that band kicks ass. Yeah. You know, um, I was proud of Kingfish. I don't know mm-hmm. Kingfish. He played, he played the Vic theater. I think it was a sellout. He played the Vic theater. And there's a thing where you call let's call like hard tickets where it's, um, when people specifically it's not a traditional blues club it's a theater so th- that means these people made a conscious effort to put their clothes on put their cologne on get in their car buy a ticket to come see you at a, a non-traditional venue and that's how you find out t- your salt or whatever you know what you got to offer and he sold out the vic you know uh, or it, if it wasn't sell, sold out, it looked sold out because the balcony was full, the floor was of course full, you know. Right. And uh, it was just great to see that. And I'm like, see, this is the, this is the goal, is to have people come out to specifically to see you and you're not background music. Again, where you're playing six hours, you know. Um, and my main thing is, again, controlling my audience, feeling like a musician that's giving them my content and not just filling up space, playing Bruno Mars or some funk tune, or some tune, uh, Cherry cherry Wine or whatever it is. I don't like that song, man. I'm sorry. Um, okay,
1: but part of this is No, or oh
0: Whiskey, what's that song, Whiskey? Something Whiskey. It's a, it's a rip off of Etta James' song. Some country dude made it. Anyway, sorry.
1: Um, but this is happening because Partly because of the pandemic. If the pandemic didn't happen, then you would still be touring a lot more and whatever, right? Yeah, yeah. How, as a Chicago musician, and I know you're very proud of that, Mm -hmm. and I know that it's who you are, Mm -hmm. how different is what you take on the road to what you present in Chicago? And and, and presenting in Chicago often means playing to tourists, like at Buddy Guys, where Mm -hmm. most of the people... Not from Chicago, but from mm-hmm. out of town coming to see you. How different is, is the act and the way you, you you do your show? How does it differ between is, uh, pel- playing in Belgium versus playing in Chicago?
0: Well, Belgium sometimes there's a language, maybe a language barrier and things like that, but I still I still talk my stuff. So you know right, what I mean? Right. I still do my thing. Before the pandemic in August, we played Japan. Oh,
1: hey, Cause this is funny. Cause last time we spoke, he said that's a dream that you wanted mm, to go there. Yeah. How was that experience? Oh my God, it was, it
0: was cool, man. Aomori, Aomori, Japan. And see, this is the thing. You know. I'm very thoughtful of. This particular, festival had Chicago exclusively Chicago musicians for 17 years, mm-hmm. and. And I thought, like, man, that is, that is very cool. That's like admirable that this particular city would have exclusively Chicago blues guys come over there for 17 years, and not one Chicago blues person thought of bringing a Chicago flag over there. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. And that's that's how. Again, I've always see when I was on the bus, I would sit and think about how to. Not market, but how to make myself like well, I guess market. How to brand myself without being a nuisance or hey, look at me, I'm over here. Hey, look, listen to my CD, listen to my music. You know how? And I, because I couldn't afford full adge, a full page ads to do anything. So, but not one Chicago musician, because a lot of uh, a few musicians, they don't like. They like to say, oh, I'm a blues musician. They don't never want to uphold Chicago and that you know it's like you know what you guys keep doing that I'm going to because this soil where we playing is is filled with blood sweat and tears of great Chicago blues men that came from down south and did something to this city that made Chicago a hub for blues so I'm going to stand on that and take pride in that Why you guys just want to be a musician to play? I play everything. Anyway, that's how other people treat their their music. But when I went over there, my thing, I needed Nora Jean Wallace. Powerhouse. She's a Coco teller 2.0. You know, just beautiful spirit, beautiful soul. Her story is great. You know, she's lived on the plantation, you know, 65 years old came to Chicago at 19, something like, you know, just the, the, the thing, like how it originally was happening. And um, not, I, I took a Chicago flag over there, you know? And, uh, and actually two, I, was, they, they got two flags, because the, when they came here, they played lorries, which was right across the street. Not played, but uh, a lot of the Japanese people that were sponsors of the festival came to Chicago. And they treated us to Lari Steakhouse, which used to be right across the street. And uh, isn't I mean, it ex- there anymore? I think I think that building is for sale. I think. Oh. Really? I just saw. Yeah, I just saw. Cause I'm looking. I'm like, wow, Lowry's gone. I mean, I could be wrong. I could be wrong. But um, they came. They came, and I gave them like a real flag with the stitched in. The other one I had was just kind of like my little show flag or whatever. Right. And there was a lady that she was the MC for for, I think, all 17 years. She was an MC there. And during the, doing like one of the after parties or whatever, I, I had, of course, to translate and all that. And I, I gave her the flag. I draped the flag around her and let her know that, you know, this is a Chicago thing. Well, thank you. And I thanked the, you know, the musicians and everybody. Because Shun, I don't know if you know, Shun Kakuta, he used to play with Coco Taylor. Um, his band backed me up and me and Nora. And I presented the flag, and I gave them, and I said, thank you for having Chicago musicians come over here for 17 years, and we'll present you with the flag. And I gave it to the MC lady. She you know, drapped, wrapped herself around, which is very cool. But then when all of the big wigs came, and, and, and Laurie's, you know, because I got Chicago flags all around, <laughs> like real ones. I go to the real shop out south to get them stitched, the ones that they run up the flagpole, you know. Um, uh, I gave them a flag, and they, it was in the paper, and the whole thing. But the the thing is, uh, as far as my my you say the music and how it um if it changes, I did the song Walk It Off, and we had about six shows, six or seven shows, and midway through the uh, tour, I had the idea there was a drummer, a black guy, that moved over there in '74 after he he used to live in Chicago. Moving to 74th, Florida in Japanese, the whole thing. I had the idea of having him translate, walk it off. I would say a line, and then he would be in the drums, and, and then, you know, because we would break it down, and he would say the line. Because I'm thinking in my mind, I, I pride myself in my original songs. Are they feeling me? You know, are they feeling what I'm doing? You know, is there a language barrier? And in some cases it was. But when I had him uh, translate... Walk it off because it's kind of it's four funny funny stories. People were laughing their ass off, and I'm like, and I feel so good, where it's like, I, I like how my music, the stories translated, where it's funny here too. So after that, it's just me and Shun. We would do an acoustic version of it, and I would have him. You know, set it up for me and all that stuff. And then I'll say the words and then he'll, you know, translate it. And the audience then, then was just kind of like, but see, that's that thinking on the moment kind of thing where I see cats walking on Michigan Avenue. You know what I mean? All
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh, comes right around to
0: that. Yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, but playing Japan was just, it was very cool. I was, uh, I couldn't get used to the 4:30 sunrises though. <laughs> <laughs> it was like, you know, I thought that I left the light on one time. And because I, you know, went to sleep and I thought it was like one thirty. I think it was 1.30 I went to bed. But then after a while, like the sun was beaming through the window. And I'm like, and I'm looking at the clock and I'm thinking I left the light on. There was the sun. And I looked out at the people walking around. I'm like, oh, my God, like, wow. And, and I noticed everything was like shuttered. It was like, you know, they had blinds, but it was like a straight up shutter, you know, kind of thing. But, um. It was just very cool, man. Just very cool experience. And then in Europe too, you like I noticed in France, they they like more traditional kind of blues. So sometimes I'll taper some of my more traditional stuff. But then I'll freak out too, and I might do my John the Conqueror, that's kind of <laughs> rocky or whatever, because that's what you know I want to do. I'm not gonna lump all night, boom, ba boom, ba boom. But I'll I'll taper my shows a little bit, but not a lot.
1: So you're at a point where you're preparing for the next album. Oh yeah, and yeah. you've written most of the stuff.
0: Yeah, just, it just has to be fine tuned, and um, and of course, you know, Bruce likes to hear like, "What's it going?" Because Bruce loves the process of when I write and all that stuff, and he's like, "Well, what do you?" He won't tell me. He asks questions about it, and this and the first and second time has helped my my writing because I was with Delmark. I did right. two uh, CDs with Delmark. And uh, he, um, you know, he would ask questions, and that kind of helped me along the way. But then sometimes, you know, I would get fixed in my head where it's like I'll write something and say, was Bruce going to say something? You know, and I, don't, I told him, I said, dude, I don't, I said, I, I need to get you out of my head, man. I don't like, I said, "I th- thank you for what's happening as far as using less words to get a point across. And I like that style of it where you don't have to say, ain't no more going to be. <laughs> you know what I mean? You could just say, you know, you know, you could just say it in less words, but it still had the same impact, you know. Um, so, yeah, so, yeah, but I'm I'm close to, you know, getting, presenting it to the band to get a fuller sound and to ask the bass player, what do you feel about, like, you know, like bass lines and stuff. Everything, I got everything acoustically was going on. There's some words that I, there's some song endings that I have to, Fine-tune because I don't like kind of like how the story, you know, is ended. You know, and that's just me just kind of overthinking things and, you know, you know over you know overthinking stuff.
1: Is is this the thing that you were talking about? I mean, is it close to the thing that you're talking about of coming out of the pandemic with something very new and something different, something?
0: Oh yeah, yeah. It's it's gonna be (laughs) it's gonna be some hard-hitting songs. Um, It's gonna be some songs about, of course. You know, I mean, I always had in my albums uh, songs about maybe like a racial injustice kind of thing, or some things just like real stuff, like the silence of my friends, you know, or, or um, um, you know, the strength to survive, things like that. You know, um, you know, song the one song I forgot the same, I forgot the um, the name of it, but it's a song about a, um, an abused wife an abused woman, I'm sorry, abused woman, a gay teen, and an immigrant, you know. Those songs might not get much radio play, but for me, it's like to be, you know, this is other things that blues men think about other than at least me, than my woman left me type stuff, you know what I mean? It's like real situations, you know.
1: Do you have a title for the album, or does that come much later? It comes later,
0: yeah, I mean, because, you know, uh, (laughs) like I said, man... Oh, you know
1: what? <laughs> I think I might
0: have a title for the song, but I, I want to say it now. Okay. I'll tell you off the record. <laughs> I'll tell you off the record. Um, but yeah, it's um, you know it's it's real stuff, and I I don't. Of course, I'm you know you, you don't want to be known as you know a guy to just pop off. I mean you know about st- stuff that's insignificant stuff. But if my fans want to know me, black and white, you know fans. Asian, Spanish, whatever. They want to know me. They're going to get the real me, not some person that's, you know, stage tripping. And then I come back, and I don't even make eye contact when I'm on my You know, I engage people. I talk to them, you know, the whole thing. Like when I was chastised about being on my little unicycle there with some cat random guy. <laughs> I'm going to engage you. I'm going to ask you, why are you telling me <laughs> that I can't do this? Like, you know, who are you? You know, I'm going to be... I'm gonna be me, you know Man. what I mean? And part of me is um, telling you about, you know, since you come to see me, this is songs that I write, this is how I present them as far as Chicago blues today. This is um, um, topical songs that affects, like I said, if I, if I write a song, I would want it to at least affect 70% of the people in the audience where they can understand like bad contract divorce or which was a premonition song. Now you know, <laughs> I wrote that
1: years ago. <laughs> Did you ever write a song about inconsequential premonitions? No, not yet. No, you should. <laughs> no. Um, you know, but but songs
0: that assurance. You know, it it, it affects people. Midlife crisis. Mm-hmm. You know, which maybe I could be going through that too. I think we touched on that. You know, I don't have a, a, a red Ferrari, but I do have that. You know what I mean? <laughs> I do have a blue unicycle. <laughs> So I just thought of that, you know? But um, yeah, it's, um, I try to write about today's topics and not depend on the old tropes of, you know, infidelity or my woman left me or she did something wrong, that type of stuff. And, um, and the audience is gonna get that. And that's why I find it hard to play some places where you're sharing your spirit and you're giving yourself to the audience. And then you say, okay, y'all go check them out over there for an hour. And I'll have to come get you back with my stories an hour later. Okay, go over there and you know. <laughs> and then they present their music and they pop in and they doing again great accomplished musicians. They doing what they do and they running their show. But then when they come back to me, now I have to re get them regain their trust or get them in to my mode of thinking again. And it, and sometimes it's you know it's draining, you know, and it's. It's like, dang, I just, I, just want, I just want this audience for myself, you know. But, again, that's, that's the format of that particular, you know, <laughs> uh,
1: um, club. Well, I appreciate your honesty, and I've always enjoyed talking to you, so thank you so much oh, for doing okay. this, man. Like, I just, mm-hmm. you know, when, when I had the chance to come here, I, I asked if I could interview you, mm-hmm. even though yeah. we have done this before, just because I, I really yeah. appreciate your... Your honesty and yeah. the way you tell stories. Yeah, so I mean, thanks for
0: doing this. It's real, man. I mean, I'm just, I'm just a dude from the south side. You know what I mean?
1: <laughs> Used to drive a bus. You know? <laughs> well, thank you, and and mm-hmm. I look forward to doing this more often and mm-hmm. yeah. hoping to see you perform live sometime. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh
0: yeah. I'll I might be around your way. What part of Canada are you from? Toronto. Toronto. Yeah. <laughs> I, I actually I played Toronto. I played Barry. Okay. Um, How
1: long ago was was that? Violet's Venue. Yeah, yeah.
0: Are they still open? I don't think so. Man, them stairs. I just remember going up the stairs. (laughs) It was a beautiful venue because it was theater seating.
1: Yeah.
0: It was purple or whatever. They had the Blues Brothers guys up there or whatever. But it was cold. (laughs) Well,
1: I don't know if it's any cold room here. Oh No, I think y'all got
0: it that year, man. It was like January (laughs) something, man. But it was like, oh my God. Oh my God, <laughs> For Chicago is doing it's like, man what what kind of weather is this? It was like, you know, I don't know much about Siberia or nothing you know but but it was like that cold where you couldn't hide behind nothing. Yeah, yeah. at least we got a building you can kind of hide behind stuff. And everywhere I looked because we drove, we drove actually and um, I thought I saw my name, you know so, you know ah oh, oh, damn. You know, Toronto with the Z, uh. but it was very cool, though. It was very cool.
1: Well, hope (laughs) to see you up there soon.
0: Yeah, yeah. I I think we got a gig in Canada somewhere, but that's somewhere else. So I don't think it's close to Toronto. It's on the website,
1: though. All right. Check it out. Cool. Thank you. Thank you.